Podcast peeps, you're listening to episode 14 of the Caught Red-Handed podcast. In this episode, I talked to Fatima Uled Tami, who is from Holland. She lives in Rotterdam, and her business name is Fatima Hanna Art. It was really great talking to someone so passionate about her art, especially Moroccan Hanna, which I love so much. I've been feeling a bit discouraged because Moroccan henna is just so marginalized by Indian henna. I rarely get requests for it, and there just doesn't seem to be a lot of passion for it out there in the henna world either. And I realized that Fatima faces similar obstacles and yet she just keeps on pushing Moroccan henna. So it was just uh, really inspiring to talk to her. In my henna life, I've been organizing some uh, Moroccan henna parties and the company that I was doing it with, Side Tour, got bought out by Groupon. So now Groupon is promoting them. I was kind of hoping that Groupon's involvement would help expand the number of people who saw this opportunity, but it actually hasn't been very successful. I think I haven't pushed it enough myself in addition to Groupon. I usually need three people minimum and I never seem to meet it. And so last week I only got two, but one of the people who bought the Groupon reached out to me and said she was really excited about it and she and her friend were coming and could she take photos for her blog, etc. And I realized that I didn't have anything else going on that day. And it was two people who could learn about henna who didn't know about it before. So I went ahead and did it, even though it didn't meet the minimum. And I'm so glad I did. They were really into it. I got to hang out with them and got to know them and they were really cool. And they were just like so into henna. So it was really fun to just share that moment with them and not really worry about the business aspect of the event. I think that my full-time job is a blessing because I don't really have to worry about making my rent. I know how much I'm going to make every month. And it allows me in my henna life to accept gigs that I like and not have to take certain gigs that I don't really care for. But I think that it can isolate me from clients, especially in my slow season, which is right now. And I think that isolation from my clients can also isolate me from henna art. I think that henna is an art that exists between two people. Practice and growth can happen on your own time in isolation, but the eventual goal is to henna other people so so that you complete that circuit from person to person. I think the combination of talking with Fatima and having really enthusiastic clients was very energizing. Another aspect of my slow season henna world is my work to improve my cone skills. I've been using a jacquard bottle for 15 years and pretty much nothing else. So 
I felt like I really should learn how to use cones. So far, it's been kind of challenging and uh, not so easy. I'm trying to just treat a cone like a J bottle and it's not really working out so well. But I had a breakthrough after reaching out to my fellow professional henna artists and they sent me photos of how they hold the cone, even videos of them working and videos of how they hold the cone. And then also some information on like the size of their cones and how they clip the tip or whether they roll the tip open. And um, for me, the the biggest change was changing my grip. It was such a revelation. I used, like I said, I used to hold it like a bottle, which felt right, but it just made it really hard to draw. And switching my grip really opened up a whole new world. I'm still not a pro. I still feel wobbly, but I do feel that I can finally move forward. And then a really strange and foreign feeling came over me, and that was passion for henna. I actually felt excited to get home from work so I could work on my cone skills, and I even brought cones to work with me so I could just practice with them on my break. So again, talking to Fatima, having these really enthusiastic clients, and then changing around my cone technique just uh, unlocked something in me that I haven't felt in a really long time. Let's get to the interview with Fatima, and hopefully she'll work her magic on you like she did on me. So Fatima, you are a Moroccan henna artist, and where are you from in Morocco? Uh, in Morocco, my family lives in uh, Tetuan, which is in the Rift Mountains in the north of Morocco. But we are originally from uh, Beni Boufra, which is uh, much more higher into Rift Mountain, actually. Okay. And Tetuan is a city kind of between Tangiers and um, Fez, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. And it's known for a particular type of uh, crop growing there. <laughs> a particular, a particular oh, yes, well, a particular <laughs> type of agriculture. <laughs> <laughs> well, the whole Rift Mountains are very famous for the particular crop growing there. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and wow. segueing from that almost directly, um, you now live in the Netherlands, and you were born in the Netherlands, correct? Yes, I'm born here. Very nice. And uh, but your parents emigrated from Morocco to. To Holland. Yeah, my father actually immigrated from uh, Morocco in the 60s, 70s, when, when there were a lot of Moroccans coming to Europe to find uh, work. And, yeah. uh, and later he met my mom and they married and yeah, there was me. <laughs> oh, they met in Holland. Yeah, my mother is Dutch, actually. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought she was Moroccan. No, she's Dutch. My father oh, is how Moroccan. cool. Yeah. So I'm a oh, bit uh, of both. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I had no idea. I thought you were 100% Moroccan. Oh, cool. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know. It's just people ask me all the time for, yeah, do you feel like Moroccan? Do you feel uh, Dutch? But I don't think it's really a feeling. And uh, I think for my henna uh, business, I think it's, it's really fine that I'm from both cultures because I can see from Dutch eyes, the beauty of it, and I can see the ordinary things with Moroccan eyes. I don't really know how right. to explain it, but... Yeah, no, that makes sense. You yeah. kind of are a bridge between the two cultures, and you yeah. can explain it, explain one culture to the other. Yeah, yeah. And we, we go back to uh, my family every summer, like all Moroccans do, so in that way, yeah. I really had a Moroccan... Uh, <laughs> 
You had that Moroccan childhood. Yes, definitely. And do you speak Derija? Yeah, I speak it, but not too much. Okay, but you can understand it more than you can speak it? Yeah, I can understand it more than, than speak. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. So, uh, so how did you start doing henna? This is a question that that we all get asked in the West, but when you're not from a henna culture, people are very curious to see where where the skills came from. But you, having grown up in the two cultures, it's mm-hmm. it's even more interesting. Yeah. So how did you start? You know, a lot of Dutch people always think like, "Oh, yeah, you all Moroccan can do can do it." You know, just like. <laughs> It's in your blood. Pick up a syringe and just draw out designs just like that. (laughs) But for me, uh, really, uh, when I was three years old, I got my first henna session in Morocco. And since that day, I was just, um, I don't know, it was just like um, a fever. I got caught with a henna fever and I never cured from it. That's really basically (laughs) how it started. And every summer we went back uh, to visit my grandmother and my aunties and everybody. And from day one, I was asking, Baba, I want the henna. Can you arrange me something? You know, and the family was getting <laughs> crazy about crazy because I was always asking for henna, henna, henna. And um, yeah, if I could oh, not get funny. the henna in the holidays in the vacation, then it was uh, I was. <sighs> I was so angry. <laughs> and then everyone suffered because you were upset. Ev- yeah, everyone <laughs> suffered big time. So, yeah. It, so they- when you first saw henna, did you ever think of doing it yourself? Like uh, when you were a very little kid like that? Yeah. It, it started like that because I always wanted it to be uh, more and better and uh, more refined and everything. So when I was like 14, there was an Akasha came to our house and uh, she said to me, like, um, I will give you my serums. I will give you the powder. And she explained everything to me. She said, take it Holland, and you're going to try it for yourself. Because in my heart, I was never satisfied because I always wanted it to be more (laughs) beautiful. And yeah. Yeah. I always wanted it to be better. Yeah, that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) I was grateful that I got the henna, but I was never really satisfied. Yeah, it's strange. (laughs) So how old were you when you got that syringe and the lesson in how to do henna? 14. 14, yes. That's when I started. Wow. I'm 33, by the way. Oh, okay. So 20, oh my gosh, almost 20 years. Unless I'm really bad at math. Yeah, 20 (laughs) years. (laughs) So just an aside, you were saying um, you called them Nakasha. Is that what they call them in the region there? Yeah, Nakasha. Okay. And do they have any other names for henna artists? Yeah, sometimes they say uh, Hanaya, but I think that's more from uh, Fes. Yeah, that's what I always learned too, but oh. I wasn't sure if it was like the whole region. But but in the Tetuan area, you call them Nakasha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. When you got that first syringe and mm-hmm. you got the henna and the lessons and everything and you took it back to Holland, did you actually start learning how to do henna? Did you practice? Yeah, I practice a lot. I just start right away because it is it it really was an obsession for me uh Kenzie it was an obsession <laughs> it, so i really start right away and yeah 
I, I never stopped actually. You know, there have been years that I haven't been doing it so much, in the, especially in the beginning time, because nobody wanted to uh, let me try on them because they were like, "Yeah, Fatima, you're not so good. You, you want to, <laughs> you want to be in a crusher, but you're not in the crusher yet." So. <laughs> <laughs> but later, when I I developed more my when I when my skills got more developed, yeah, I never stopped, never, and I'm still wow. learning. Yeah. And were, were you artistic before that? Yeah, my whole family is a bit artistic, actually. Oh, so really? Helpful, yeah. I have a lot of aunties who are like painters and uh, you know creative minds and everything. So that was helpful. Oh, wow. That's very cool. I had no yeah. idea. So, so you kind of had like art in your life and yeah. did you draw as a child? Yeah, I draw a lot. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So what kind of designs did you do when you first started? What were your, what yeah, were I those saw, things that nobody wanted? Of course it was like the fancy designs because that was the only thing that I really knew at that time. Yeah. And, I mean, in that time, we we didn't even have a computer at home and internet, you know, I didn't even know internet existed (laughs) and there were no books uh, of Hannah. So I just start with the things that I knew from my childhood and that were like the simple fancy designs, fishbone motif, fishbone design. Yeah. Things like that, the simple things. And the fishbone motif, what, um, how would you describe that? Uh, like one, um, because that was the first design on me when I was three years old. I had my hands and feet all covered with fishbone. <laughs> it, it so what just, is the? What does it look like? The fishbone design. It's just like you know, straight lines, and then with the. Um, I'm jo- I'm uh, drawing it now, but how do I explain it? <laughs> like yeah. a straight line with the cro- with a cross, uh, yeah, little with- crosses on it. Um, no, not really. Like crosses. a perpendicular, a perpendicular line. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's really like you know. Yeah. Just I know. I, really I, like I think book. I can picture it. Yeah. Yeah. I hope, yeah. I no, I, I get the picture. Oh okay. yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. I think we're going to have to do a video podcast at some point so you can show me this because I also want you to show the um, some of the syringe techniques. So maybe once this podcast yeah. goes out, we can do a video portion and uh, you can explain some of these things and the designs and um, yeah, that would be and show people what what uh, the syringe work looks like. Yeah, that would be, so be cool. nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was just going to say when you first started doing henna, who did you henna? Mm. Were they Moroccans or were they Dutch people? No, Moroccans. In the beginning time, it was only Moroccans. Because in the, in those days, you know, when I walk around with the orange uh, on my <laughs> hand palms, all those yeah. people were like, oh my God, do you have a disease? What is that? <laughs> yeah. So in the beginning time, it was really a Moroccan thing. And only the, in recent years... Yeah, the Dutch people are more interested. But when we, were, when we were a child, oh, especially when you have the, just the ball designs, you know? Yes. <laughs> they were yeah. all like, oh, no, we don't <laughs> like it. That's not beautiful. <laughs> oh, or when it's all faded and it just looks like a skin yeah. disease. <laughs> yeah. But I was really proud. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, of course. I loved it because for me, it was really like uh, being a part of something that is much bigger than you are. 
and yeah. it's really a feminine thing and I really wanted to be a part of my you know it was just I felt so strong when I had when I had the henna on my hands it really made me feel stronger you know, that that actually brings up another question. I wanted to ask you what emotions come to mind when you think of henna. Yeah, for me, it's really like uh, that I, for, for myself that I really felt stronger, more powerful. And oh, it's like, so cool. you know, I belong to my, my family and all my aunties were with the, with the henna on their hands. And I was like, wow, we are really like a big family, nothing can do something to us, you know? And especially when the Dutch people told me, oh, that's not beautiful. I was like, oh, yes, this is so beautiful. <laughs> oh, really that's felt, so cool. Yeah, I really felt much stronger with the henna. It's wow. Strange. Yeah. That's such a great image. It's uh, It kind of gives me chills just thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think the, that emotion comes from? Is it is it just like a memory of home or is it you know what we um what they call baraka yeah i don't i don't i don't know i think for me it's because i was raised in two cultures you know it Mm -hmm. for me it's really like uh yeah some memory which is really strong because that that first uh the first time that I got henna when I was three years old, I, I remember it very uh, vibrant in my mind. Yeah. I still remember the smell because mm-hmm. it was my, um, how do I say it in English? It was a girl that lived next door and mm-hmm. she was uh, doing the henna on me and my mother as well uh, with a mm. little stick. But I remember that she was making the henna and she put it in a, a little bowl. But my grandmother was always making the fish in that same bowl. And <laughs> I was a small child, so I was thinking like, oh, my God, that smell. Is it because of the fish or is it the henna? It was really, a, really a bizarre thing to me in that time. And then, um, I don't know. So it was really a memory which is really strong and... Yeah, the whole baraka thing comes uh, apart from that, I think. It comes with it or it's a separate thing? It's a separate thing because baraka can be in so many things. That can be baraka. It can be in henna. It can be in your food. It can be, you know, when you have a turtle in your garden, he has baraka (laughs) as well. So, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really that's why a lot of people have turtles eh, in Morocco. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. Baraka, yeah, <laughs> I remember seeing that. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, the small fikun. They have yeah. baraka. <laughs> oh, okay, that is so funny. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so do you, so do you feel that baraka in henna? Yeah, I definitely think there is baraka in henna, but I think it's you know. Um, there are some people that they say like, yeah, Barca, that's something from the past. We don't believe those things nowadays. But mm-hmm. in fact, everybody, you know, when you give a compliment to somebody, you say always to Barcala. Yeah. Which contains the word Barca. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, it's everywhere. Barcala. It's ev- yeah, it's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. And it's strong and it's powerful. And I think, yeah, in henna. It's absolutely there. I'm sure of it. <laughs> because <laughs> so much beautiful things happen since I'm doing henna with this intention. And yeah, it's strong. 
There's yeah. something wrong. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. And and so what about the symbols that are drawn on you? Do you feel the power from them as strongly as you feel the buttercup from the henna? Yeah, I don't know because the all the mm, the symbols have a lot to do with uh, casting off evil eye. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nowadays uh, we are like developed Muslim and everything. You are not supposed yeah. to believe evil eye. That you know, you're not supposed <laughs> to believe that right. the drawing can prevent you from evil eye. Yeah, but yeah. it's hard for me to you know because i never walk out of the door without my chemisa necklace so i'm right right (laughs) so you're a very modern muslim who doesn't believe that and yet you still believe it (laughs) no i believe it i believe it i'm not so modern i think (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah no i believe it yeah yeah i've met a lot of moroccans and i never I don't think I ever met one who didn't still believe in it. Mm-hmm. And um, we actually, my ex-husband and I were out of town and his Moroccan friend was staying with us and, or staying at our place. And when we came back, we couldn't find any of our knives. Oh. And um, so for a while we just couldn't find them. And then finally we found them and they were tucked in the back of our our um couch our sofa and my ex said that his friend who was staying there like heard a noise and it made him afraid so and it's not like he was going to protect himself with the knives it's just that he put i guess there's something about the metal and the knives and he put it at either end of the couch and it would protect him against evil and this was a city guy (laughs) very modern Yeah, I know. You know, nowadays, because I work a lot of Moroccan weddings, and uh-huh. most of the time the girls are really like, yeah, I don't care about the patterns, and I don't care about the henna as long as it's on, and uh-huh. la, la. but there are always the grandmothers and the mothers who are there, and they are always watching, watching me, how I act, what I do exactly, because... Yeah, they are really. It affects careful. the bride. Yeah. Yeah, it affects the bride big time. So yeah. they are really watching me. Like, uh, what is she doing? Is she? Um, it's always important to you know start with the right hand. You know, you have to follow all these. Oh. Um, I don't know. It's not really customs. Rules. Customs, yeah. There are a lot yeah. Of so if you're just like, oh, I'm here just to make hana la la. No, it's not going to work. You really have to be careful. Because yeah. they don't appreciate it when you're just, you know. Uh, you're just doing a job and, and yeah. don't care. Yeah. yeah. And that's what you were saying before, that you you do it with intention and it brings you joy. Yeah. And that intention also brings the bride joy and her yeah. marriage joy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember reading all these different customs about what is done with henna in Morocco. And it's just amazing how many things how many customs there are and um, and how much of it really has to do with protecting the bride against the evil eye. Yeah, everything is about evil eye. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so fascinating. Yeah, it's really everything, you know, like the the, the jewelry, the, everything is about evil eye, evil eye and uh, fertility. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's really the basic things on a, on a wedding. You know, when they're yeah. on, the, on the table, like uh, on a henna night, mm-hmm. that you have the, 
henna paste is on the table and they put mm -hmm. eggs in it, boiled yeah. eggs for fertility. Yeah. And there's uh -huh. a sugar um sugar bread but it's more like a cone a big cone yeah the loaf of sugar yeah yeah and then with the bracelet on it it's all fertility you know yeah <laughs> oh that's right yes yeah it's really like a phallic symbol in a way yeah that's true yeah. for for the people who who don't know this sugar in morocco comes in this i don't know it's like a foot high cone yeah. and it's kind of phallic shaped it's a little bit wider at the bottom a little bit narrower at the top but yeah definitely phallic yeah. <laughs> so the, and then in the you know the um where, where she's sitting i don't know mm -hmm. if you ever saw it the embroidery like it's also fessy style eh, which is really popular yes. yeah yeah i know it, the kind you're talking about yeah so in that is always there's also the symbolism you know, yeah, the evil eye and everything, and she's yeah. also covered. Eh? Her face is covered. For, yeah, also for evil eye. Yeah. And I remember reading that the um, both the bride and the groom they wear babouche, but the heel part is pulled up so that their foot isn't exposed in the back because evil could come in through the ground as well. Yeah, I, I heard that, but I never experienced that myself. In that way. Yeah, maybe that's an old custom. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But there are so many customs, and it depends on on uh, on region. Yeah, yeah. So many different customs. Yeah. But the the man, you know, when the woman has a henna party, the man has his henna party as well. Yeah. At the same time. Is it's, that still done in Morocco? Yeah, it's still done, and still it done is. Here. Yeah, and it's still done. Oh, as well. in Holland. Yeah. Oh, wow. The men, they do, they only do like, um, you know, for us, for the people from Tetuan, from that region, uh -huh. they do yeah. the pink. Oh, yeah, right the pinky hand. finger. The yeah. Pink from the right hand, covered with henna. Or sometimes oh, just wow. um, a circle in the hand, in the inside of the hand. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. You know, it's funny because I... Whenever I went back to Morocco, I'd ask about that. Nobody would tell me about the groom's party. So I just thought, you know, it just didn't happen anymore. I'd read about it, but I figured it didn't happen anymore. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe it depends also on the region. But for us uh, in Texas, yeah. they still do it. But the men don't like it. <laughs> now, that's my next question. <laughs> so every, almost every single Moroccan man I ever met, um, dislikes the smell of henna or yeah. just doesn't like henna. And I was telling you when we were talking before that my, uh, my ex, whenever I had people over to our house to do henna, he would leave the house. He wouldn't just go to another room. He would leave completely. Okay. And I asked him about that and he said, well, it's woman's stuff and it probably has something to do with magic. So, you know, the men just have to leave cause they can't be around that. So okay. I, I'm curious to hear what you say. Why are men afraid of henna? I really don't know the real, I don't really know why they are afraid of henna, but I think it has, there are, there are different reasons, you know, the smell, of course, that's true. And that's a woman's thing. And that's true. And, you know, Morocco men, they are really, they have a big mouth, but a small heart. They are, <laughs> they are very much afraid of a lot of things, but they're always <laughs> acting like they're tough guys, you know? But on the other <laughs> hand, I, I was thinking about the question as well because sorry, I can't stop <laughs> laughing. <laughs> oh, but it's true. That's Moroccan yeah. men. 
<laughs> I think that's true. <laughs> Go on, like, sorry. You know, playing tough, but they are just, um, I don't know the word in English. <laughs> I, I think we get the picture. Yeah. But you know, oh, when they have funny. circumcision, the boys get henna too. So I, yep. thought, I thought like maybe for them, it's really a painful experience when they have mm -hmm. henna on their hands. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's the reason why they don't like but, it. But you know, you know, it's so weird, Fatima, because that's what I always tell people when they ask me, you know, when I teach classes and stuff and I say mm -hmm. that I think it's because they, it's from their circumcision. And I had no idea that Moroccans thought that too. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I cannot, um, I, I cannot come up with another explanation. I know, me either, and nobody I've asked has been able to explain it either. Yeah. Oh, and the and the other thing is is uh, maybe our listeners don't know, but um, boys in Morocco are usually circumcised um, at an older age than they are in the West, because I know in the in the United States, when boys are circumcised, it's usually at birth or oh, like um, okay. Jewish boys are circumcised, I think, after seven days. Um, oh, my really? ex-husband, yeah, my ex-husband was circumcised when he was six. So he remembers it. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, just like we all remember things from age six. Yeah, that's true. A lot of boys. But nowadays they, they are getting more uh, circumcised more early. My son yeah. was like three or four years old. But... May, yeah, yeah I, I was thinking maybe that could be a reason, but also, you know, yeah. because of Moroccan uh, culture is really like women and men are really apart from a lot of things. So men right. don't want to mess up, you know, women, women celebrates like a henna party, for example, there are no men, there are right. no men there. Yeah. So even if he has his own henna party, he's not allowed to come to the woman. Woman's party. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. And they, do, but, they definitely don't like the smell. And it's really funny because I do a lot of Indian weddings as well. And then I invite mm -hmm. right over at my place to discuss what she wants and everything. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the, the Indian bride, she, she comes with her husband. And he's like, mm -hmm. oh, wow, that's beautiful and really romantic. And la, 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 yeah, la. Yeah. But a Moroccan guy will never... Every, no. you know oh and it's so funny i'm always laughing when i see this whole situation because you know Moroccan men <laughs> will never sit aside like oh wow that's beautiful no i never experienced that never that's so <laughs> funny oh my god that is so funny yeah it's really funny but the indian men are really romantic eh? <laughs> yeah oh yes <laughs> yeah it's all that bollywood movie training yeah <laughs> 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 so when I was talking to people in Morocco about henna, they said that men find um, the henna on a woman's hand and feet very erotic. But I don't know. Uh, I want to know from you if that's true, if you think that's that's a common belief there. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not... Uh, um... I'm not married to a Moroccan Moroccan guy, uh -huh. so I cannot tell from my from my own yeah. experience. But yeah. I just I wondered if that, you'd heard anything about nah, that. I think there must there must be some some truth in it because you know there are so much henna involved in all kind of things. So it, it yeah it would be hard for a man eh, if if he doesn't like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 
the uh, the erotic part i don't know i know like men from uh, sahara they really love it but morocco men with us in the north i don't know I've not so much no i don't know yeah. my yeah. father likes it <laughs> <laughs> my father even lets me draw something on his hands he, he likes it because um you know it's my passion now and yeah uh, and he wants to support that yeah <laughs> Well, I think it's an exception. (laughs) Yeah. In the Google Hangout that I did with Nick and Noam, we were talking, the three of us were talking about how henna is like this very special thing and people attach all of this importance to what henna is, like this exotic, spiritual, magical thing. And and that maybe to a Moroccan person, henna, it seems kind of funny that in the West we're so... I don't know. We make a fetish out of it. Mm-hmm. And and so is henna like I mean it, it sounds like you really love henna and it makes you feel a certain way but is it also kind of a very mundane and normal thing for you? Yeah, at the same time. Yeah? So yeah, I think um how, how do I have to explain this? Mm-hmm. Well, I think you know when you are for example, when you're in Morocco, everything is happening at the same time. So something can be really spiritual and really down to earth at the same time. You know, everything is just, yeah. uh, you know, here in the West, people are really not attached to the reality of life. I don't know. And they, <laughs> uh, sometimes, yeah, I'm sorry if I, maybe no, I'm not putting no, it out, but, but I'm just trying to make something clear. <laughs> yeah, know, go ahead. I, and then they search for they they are really searching for things that are really like spirituality la 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 but oh, at the I see same what you're time, saying. Yeah. they don't realize that it that it's already in yourself and you know that <laughs> it's like i don't know maybe like yin and yang or something so, so like they're looking I'm, to henna go ahead sorry <laughs> I think it's like, you know, at the same time, it's really spiritual. And on the other side, it's really down to earth as well. You cannot, you know, because Moroccan culture, for example, it's beautiful culture, but we have a lot of issues as well. So if Mm -hmm. you're just looking at only the bright side, you know, it's not realistic. (laughs) It's not realistic. Yeah. You know, Moroccan has really beautiful culture and there's a lot of spirituality, but there's a lot of bullshit going on as well. So that's really the truth. And I think some Western people, they just look at the, they only look at one side, one aspect and not the whole picture. Right. They look at how exotic it is or how, you know, or, you know, even just looking at henna, like it's this spiritual thing. And in my opinion, I feel like henna is kind of like a thing that helps women cope in a society that does have that bullshit that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, because that's what's going on, like on a henna party, for example. It's all the women who gathers there. They are just dancing, laughing all night long, mm-hmm. music, mm-hmm. playing the instrument and everything. So they are really having like such a good time. And then the other day they can cope with the, with the bullshit again. So exactly. that's, what, that's really what I tried what I really tried to say that it exists at the same time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. 
And I think, yes, the spirituality, of course, it's there. And it depends as well. You know, Morocco is such a big country. And from what I've seen in the north, it's really totally different than what I've seen in the south, for example. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, because now I'm just thinking about the man and the henna. And I remember um, there was one uh, Gnawa musician and mm -hmm. he, there, there was a film about him. And he woke up one day and he had henna on his hands, just like that. And he was explaining wow. it in the, in the film. And there you see really like the African spirituality that's really alive in Morocco. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. funny in a way as well, because I'm thinking with my, with my Dutch, uh, with my Dutch mind, oh, that cannot be possible. You cannot wake mm -hmm. up with just henna on your hands. But it, ha it, yeah. it, it happened. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you can believe that at the same time. Yeah, it's not possible. Time. And yet it is. Yeah. 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 That's very true of a lot of things in Morocco, I think. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, and for example, when you talk about Hannah and spirituality, you know, like the woman in Jamal Fna who just, you know, just put on the Hannah. Just, there is no spirituality in what they do. Not at all. They are not. Exactly. Asia, you know, they are just women yeah. who, who are surviving and try to make a living but there is no spirituality yeah. in, in it yeah but the henna it has baraka you know even if they yeah. put it on you you know <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah i mean it's better than than no henna yeah it's always better yeah 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 definitely so do you think that um, doing henna for a person who didn't grow up with henna takes something away from henna, like maybe makes it less spiritual? No, I don't think so. I don't think so because, as what I was saying, like Western people are really searching for meaning. And uh, I realized that uh, I've had a lot of Dutch clients, you know, who who had a rough situation or they were just divorced mm -hmm. or something like that. And then they wanted me to do some henna, you know, just to let go of the, I don't know, let go of the stress, let go of the sad feelings and look forward mm -hmm. to a new happiness in their lives and stuff like that. So I really think there is just a twist going on for Western people to understand the, the meaning of henna. And I think they respect it more when they know the meaning yeah and you know and it's and it's working for them as well yeah in 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 its own way in its own yeah in its own way but henna has always, always developed you know when you ask Moroccan <laughs> people where did henna start they say it started in morocco when you ask indian people they say yeah it started here in india yeah, but yeah, exactly you know it, it it has started one place somewhere sometimes you know and it it had all it had always developed you know so um yeah no i think it's a good it's a good it's a good thing yeah and there's the there's the baraka of the henna itself the plant that's affecting yeah. the person whether they know it or not and then there's also your intention yeah. as the nakasha your you know your energy yeah. and your love of henna you're also bringing that into the person so if that's yeah. spiritual i don't know but you know there's definitely some kind of connection between this plant and you and this other person yeah i think so and you know you're really close to some somebody's um 
energy and you put it on the skin and it you know yeah. and it's really getting into the person you know it yeah, really yeah. gets into it's a very person. intimate yeah it's really intimate yeah. and yeah. yeah i think it's really special yeah. i don't think there is anything like hannah <laughs> Yeah, I agree. But I'm I agree. really obsessed with it, uh, Kenzie. Really? <laughs> I know, I can tell. <laughs> oh my God. But it's, you know, it's funny because if you look at how henna is used in Morocco, it's such a regular thing in life. You know, like you would find henna in everybody's house. It's not a big deal. You know, you, you can find it at any store and people use henna at you know, at the hammam and they use henna at home and, you know, they'll just slap some on their hand and sleep yeah. with it on. It's, it's not like this big spiritual thing, you know, right. with a big, you know, ceremony around it. And yet it's so powerful in people's yeah. lives, even though it's so it's everywhere and it's kind of nothing. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's really the way it is because, yeah. you know, it, that, that's what I was saying. It's all happening at the same time. Mm hmm. So, yeah, and I think, and that is truly to, missing. Yeah, and I think you know, Western people are always like spirituality has to do, you know, has to be something difficult, and you know, you have to do effort and. Yeah, and it's also know. something that you do somewhere else, or you have to yeah. like, put aside time for. Whereas in Morocco, like everything you do is kind of, you know, there's spirit in it as well mm -hmm. as just you know, putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah. But it's like living and dying, you know, when somebody, because I have family who live in the Kasbah, really in the old Medina, and it's really like mm -hmm. small streets, you know, there are no, no cars can mm -hmm. drive there. And and when somebody dies, you know, they take the person on, a, I, I don't know what you call it in uh, in English, but they carry the person on the, you know, on the shoulder shoulders. Yeah. Through uh -huh. the Kasbah, and he when he died so you know here in holland never ever something like that could never exist here never that's so, only in a church or yeah. some religious place yeah but there is just yep. you know on the souk you know it's like balak balak everybody you know step aside <laughs> and they are just passing through but there's life and death at the same time so you know that's life the way life is there it's really different yeah. from here really different yeah yeah and at the same time, there can be a, a wedding going on, you know, everything mm -hmm. is happening at the same time. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You so must let's, uh, yeah. So, go ahead. Let's go back to topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, this is all the topic. But, um, I was just thinking of going back to like the more practical stuff about henna. When you practiced henna, were you practicing always with the syringe or were you ever drawing designs? No, I always practice with a syringe. I, I, I never have the, I never had the patience to draw a design and then try it again later with a syringe. I never did that. Huh. Never. Wow. So it's whenever you have a new design, you always do it with a syringe. Yeah, always. Sometimes I, I think like, oh yeah, let me make a sketch and. Then I, but you know, with the syringe, where you do a little leaf or something, it's really quick. And with yeah, the but pencil, with the drawing, it takes, it takes more time. I, I, I'm not, I'm not that patient. I cannot do it anymore. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so, I understand. I yeah. always uh, did it with the syringe, but in the beginning, the hard part was the 
the sifting mm-hmm. to to get the right consistency for the to get it through the blunt needle that was the really hard part yeah. and in the beginning i was mixing it with the dulia which is really bad for the skin what's dulia is that dulia. Uh, nail polish remover mm, what did you say nail polish remover no, it's not nail polish remover. It's like what you do in paint to make it uh, thinner. Oh, turpentine? Or, yeah, well, I guess it's paint like thinner. That. Paint thinner, paint yeah. Thinner, yeah. Oh. Yeah, but that's what, what, what I knew eh, from that time when I was 14. Yeah. I missed yeah. the video. Ah. And then later I thought, <laughs> no, that kind of... Because, you know, the funny thing is, Kenzie, I bought the... I had a bottle, Dulio, from Morocco, and it's really a nice bottle with flowers on it. So it's really <laughs> looking not harmful. And then later I found out, like, oh, my God, this is really a chemical bullshit. It's not good to get it on the skin. So I quit. <laughs> but it, it was really in the beginning. I still have that bottle. When you see it, you're not going to think that it's something bad. It looks like a pretty bottle of perfume or something. Yeah, it looks like the bottles <laughs> with the orange uh, blossom uh, thing. Oh, no. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. So I really didn't know in that time. Yeah. But I'm 14. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Well, none of us knew. No. When we were first starting out, we didn't know what henna was made of. And my yeah. first batch of henna, I was trying to remember what they did in Morocco. My first batch of henna, I mixed alcohol, you know, like rubbing alcohol mm-hmm. and sugar. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe I put water in or lemon juice. I can't remember. I didn't, I know, I couldn't remember how they did it. So I just did the best I could. And oh. it still worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it stained my skin. It was fine. Yeah. How did she, um, the woman who taught you in Morocco, how did she make her paste? She used the Dulia, the paint thinner. And what else? Um, you know, what's in the bottom from the tea? What's left in the bottom from the tea? <laughs> so, you know, there is a lot of sugar in it. So it's A lot really of sugar, like, yeah. You know, a strong green tea with men, mint and sugar. That's what she used oh, wow. to mix it with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And and now what do you use? Uh, now what I use, sometimes it's just um, uh, lemon juice. Sometimes uh-huh. it's just uh, water. It really depends uh-huh. on who I'm, who I'm doing. Or sometimes uh, the rose water, I like it for the smell. Yeah, um, that's so nice. But the most of the time when I'm working on a festival, I use the lemon juice with the kayaput oil. No? Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I like put as well. It's so yeah. nice. Yeah. All right, so t- let's talk about the syringe because we keep talking about it and a lot of people listening may not know about the syringe, which is, you know, it's just a syringe and it has a tip that's, if anybody uses a jacquard bottle, it's it's kind of the size of a 0.9 jacquard tip and it's mm-hmm. um, cut off at the end so it's not pointy and it won't poke you. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, what was your first syringe like? Was it um, a glass one? Yeah, a glass one. Ah, yeah. And then you just re- keep reusing it. I keep reusing it, yeah. I, I, I still use a glass syringe right now. But the oh, first really? one is really, I, I broke it. <laughs> and then oh. maybe, like the second, I broke it as well. But the one that I have now, I have it almost for five years. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a really long And have time. you ever used any other kind of tool? 
Uh, yeah, I use the plastic ones, of course, but the plastic ones are not so... No, I don't like them so much. The plastic uh, syringe. The plastic syringe, yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, I've used uh, a cone sometimes. You know, actually, a cone and a jacket bottle is much more easy uh, to learn, to master. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but, you know, because I started with a syringe and then I was 14... So maybe like when I was 18 or 19, uh, I visited an Indian boutique and I found out about the cones. But I was already four years practicing. So I was like, right. yeah, should I give it up? Or, huh? But <laughs> later I thought, yeah, but it's really Moroccan thing, you know, the syringe. Yeah, and nobody yeah. is doing it. So just keep on with your syringe and, you know, it will be fine. But it took a long time to master, really. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about how you mix the paste and how you fill the syringe. Because uh, um, don't you mix the paste a little bit thinner for the syringe than you do for other tools? I'm not sure because... Oh, that's true. You've I, only ever used a <laughs> syringe. Yeah, you know, I, I use... I make cones for my clients sometimes when they order, mm-hmm. uh, they order it in my shop, for example. Mm-hmm. But I think the... You know, for a syringe, the paste can be a little bit thicker. It doesn't need to be thinner. Oh, okay. It can be a little bit thicker, but I like it. Um, um, uh, yeah, what's the consistency that I like it? <laughs> I think <laughs> I think I, I'm used to it a, a, a bit thin. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and do you do the way they do it in Morocco, where you put it in a little tea glass and then suck it up through the syringe? Yeah, I suck it up, you know, and that's really the tricky <laughs> part for people who are not familiar with a syringe because, you know, you just put it in into the paste, really into the paste, and then when you suck it up, there comes air with it. And when the yeah. air bubble stays behind, the, the, the syringe will be runny. The, the paste will just come out like this. Oh, right. Yeah. Without trick, you even pressing. Without even pressing. And that's why a lot of people say that you have to be fast with a syringe and it's mm-hmm. not, it, it keeps on flowing. La, la. But that's not true. You just have to suck it up and then push the air again out of it. Oh, okay. Because when there's no air uh, in the syringe, then you can have full control of the, of the pressure. Oh, okay. So that's really a thing that, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people saying, like, uh, that's why Moroccan Nakasha really are fast because of the flowing, but it's not like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So it's really that they are just pressing it down and, and making it flow. And make it flow, or they just suck up some some air. Yeah, yeah. That could be t- but, but also um, something that I, that I think, you know, in Morocco... When people doing something fast, it's like uh, they are really proud to do it fast. I don't know. It's yeah. Really yeah. <laughs> a stupid thing. You know, for example, when you go, uh, like with us in the north, you have the, the baguette filled with uh, fries and mm-hmm. vegetables and everything. So when you order there, he's making it really fast and he's really proud of it to show up that he can do it fast, you know. <laughs> And that's what Moroccans are like when they can do it fast. They are really proud of it. So they don't care if the henna is beautiful, but look, they can do it fast. You know, it's really like, <laughs> yeah, that's always, you know, what, what, what the brides ask for. Yeah. Are you doing it fast? Yeah. Can you do yeah. it fast? You know, yes, yeah. of course I can do it fast. Well, 
Yeah. But well, sometimes they can do it fast and really beautifully. So yeah, that's well, the that's person you need to find. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. But, yeah, but there are a lot of women who are just doing it fast on the street. Yeah, like, yeah, definitely. Just kind of throwing it on the skin. Yeah, just like that. It's not, it's not really handy. Yeah. What amazed me the first time I had henna done, when I had henna done in Morocco, was how fast she was. But I had nothing to compare it to. I'd never seen any henna artist do henna before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since then, I don't think I've ever seen anyone who hennaed so fast. Okay. And and you know, she would do the line across the top of the hand, and then you know, with her arm going back the other way, she would draw the other line, and it was you know almost as fast as you could just move your arm. It was yeah. incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's really so. yeah. But I think really that's a Moroccan thing because mm-hmm. uh, lately I saw some videos on the on the internet from you know artists, and I was like, oh my god, they they are not so fast. <laughs> but they really, yeah, but because for us, you know, doing it fast is really um, a That's part of key. it. That's the key. That's the key, yeah. You you can do it good and fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you, so funny. You, no, but if you imagine, you know, a traditional henna party, you cannot stay there really slowly like for, uh, no, it's not possible because yeah, everything is yeah. happening at the same time. People are dancing laughing making music you know you have to do your job uh nice and quickly <laughs> yeah and get out of there <laughs> yeah but it's hard that's especially the yeah. designs to do it on a traditional oh it's really that's really tough that's really yeah. tough yeah. because i always you know i post my pictures but I, I sometimes think like oh yeah if that woman wasn't pushing me that line would yeah. be so much better you know but yeah. everybody's pushing and they're kissing the bride and they want to be yeah, on the, yeah. on a oh. photo so it's really hard i really yeah, prefer angel uh, weddings <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know i have never really yeah i've never done a moroccan wedding so i have to say i don't know i don't know what it's like <laughs> no but i really think you know the thing is um I've been asked for television to make a documentary about it, but the, there are no Moroccan girls. They say, yes, please come uh, film here. They, you know, it's so private. Oh, they don't, yeah. they don't want it, yeah. but mm-hmm. I really would love to show it to the, yeah, beca- be because yeah, that would be great. And then you can see like, Oh my God, what a job, you know, because people, Western yeah. people always think like, Oh yeah, it's so much fun on a wedding, la la la. But it's hard work. It's really yeah, exactly, hard exactly. <laughs> because the bride is sitting there like a princess. She cannot, you cannot say like, Oh yeah, move your leg over, you know, because she has yeah, to, she sit. just has like, to lie there. Yeah. So it's me. It's really like crawling all over. To yep. Me. Yep. <laughs> And that with a servant is really hard, Kenzie, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, I've tried it and oof, it's hard. It's very hard. Yeah. How long does it take you to do um, bridal, like fessy bridal henna, where you do both sides of both hands and, you know, three or four inches or up the wrist and then full feet and a few inches up the ankles? How long does that usually take you? Um... I think it's like three hours, but that's with the, um, you know, then I take pictures as well, three to four hours. Then I take pictures as well. And I also do like, uh, you know, the cotton balls with the lemon juice yeah. and yeah. garlic and everything. So then it's like 
maximum four hours. You but put maybe, the garlic in as well? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> Not all the time because, you know, yeah. no, the most people don't like the smell, but yeah. <laughs> it's traditional, eh? I know. <laughs> I do not like the smell, and I spent a whole night with garlic all over garlic and black pepper and lemon juice all over my hands. It's awful. No, so sometimes, uh, you know, for a wedding, I don't do it so much anymore because they're yeah. like, "Oh my god, no, I don't want it." <laughs> no, but hilarious. I think when I just do the henna without the, you know, without all the other stuff, then it would be like. Um, Two hours, two and a half oh my hours. God. Yeah. Oh my God, that's so fast. Yeah. <laughs> you're a real Moroccan because you're fast. Yeah, <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah it's really it's fast, so yeah, but you have to. Yeah. Because, yeah, you know, definitely. the weddings, are the, it's always running late. And, you know, when they say, fun, oh, I want to start at six, it always becomes like eight, you know. So <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you have to. It yeah. cannot be, uh, but yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You said that you do Indian designs for, and also golf designs for your for your brides these days. Yeah, I do. Yeah, because now these are Moroccan. These are yeah. all Moroccan brides, right? Yeah, they're all Moroccan brides because nowadays the fancy designs are not so popular. Uh, I, I've noticed they, they, they become more popular because, I don't know, it's like... There you are mean recently? Of, yeah, recently. Recently. Because last year uh, I've done more uh, fancy brides than I did the year before. So Yay! <laughs> yeah, lucky me. <laughs> but um, I don't know, you know, there are some amateur girls who really think like... You know, it's part of my culture and I really want it traditional and they really choose to have full fancy design. Ah, oh, that's nice. That's really nice. And But a lot of girls nowadays are just like, oh, yeah, I like the flowers. I like the, you know, because Dubai, everything from Dubai is popular. So they uh, really love yeah. the Arabic designs, you know. Yeah. So it depends. Yeah. It depends. And yeah. Indian is very popular as well. Because all Moroccan girls who are starting to do henna right now, they use a cone and they use Indian designs. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, God. Yeah, really. There are no. It's only me with the syringe and uh, fedwa. And the other girls wow. are not with the syringe, no. They're all using cones or G-bottles. <laughs> um, and they're Moroccans? Yes. Wow. Yeah. But it's because, you know... My father is first generation, and then I yeah. started doing Hannah at young age. In time that I started with my website, there was not a not a Dutch website dedicated to Hannah. Yeah. And now, like the last five years, there are so many girls who started to do Hannah, but they are like third generation already. So they're not connected so, to the no, culture and the designs. It's coming from a different perspective. Yeah. But strangely, you have Indian henna artists in the U.S. who still do Indian designs. So, I don't know. Yeah, but I think, you know, um, um, you know, um, the henna for Moroccan brides had always to do with uh, fashion. 
I remember yes. like my niece, for example, when she got married, it was in the 90s. She was wearing a sari. <laughs> and she even had a bindi on her forehead. Can you imagine that? <laughs> yep, yep, I can. I've seen the pictures of those yeah. kinds of things. It was very popular back then to be like yeah. a Bollywood princess. <laughs> Bollywood princess. So, and mm-hmm. that that's what always, you know, what always has happening, you know, because in the past, Fez was really, everything that come from Fez was like, oh, it's, you know, Fez was like most, uh, the best. Yeah, the best capital city of art and culture and yes and everything. So everybody wanted Fessy. And then later you got the whole Bollywood thing going on. And you know, and nowadays it's like the whole uh Khaliji things going on, you know? Mm -hmm. Everybody likes this thing from all. So yeah, I think that's uh that is what's going on with the Hannah and Morocco. Oh, that's, yeah, that's an interesting way to think of it. I never thought of that. Um, I always thought that Moroccans, to me, seem very humble about their culture. Mm -hmm. And I always kind of felt like they thought, well, this is just country stuff from Morocco. It's not important. The real henna, you know, the good stuff is Indian or the good stuff is golf or something like they just kind of played down the importance of their own culture for, uh, you know, thinking a, another culture is better and more important. Yeah, maybe, but I think it's all, I don't know, because, you know, on the other hand, they, the, you know, it's just influence from outside. It's not really yeah. the, because the kaftan uh, and the clothes that are, are worn are just, are still the, are still the same things, but it's also influenced by, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, like fabrics from India. Or yeah, something. and nowadays yeah. fabrics from the Gulf are really popular. Hmm. But you know, the whole fessy, the whole Tars fessy that, that where the bride sits on, mm-hmm. it is original from Fess. So normally <laughs> in the past, in other cities, you know, we from Tetuan, we have the same thing, but it's not like white green. It is white with uh little flowers and it's all kind mm-hmm. of colors it's red green blue it's really i, I love it but it's really mm-hmm. from that one but nobody will wear it nowadays because huh. it's not into fashion anymore yeah exactly it's considered old-fashioned and yeah from the country yeah and the thing with the with the with the fancy stuff uh, for example it is still worn through whole morocco but that still comes huh. from the time that everything from Fez was, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Huh. That's the way I look at it. And that's why the designs has changed as well, because of the fashion. Yeah, yeah, that definitely makes sense. And you know, huh. in, in Marrakesh, there always, um, the new stuff comes from Marrakesh, you know? Um, what do you mean? Because when I was a child, we always used to do a henna on the inside of our palms, you know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, later, when when I have the I had a strip from one finger to the wrist on the on the upside of the hand, on the outside of the hand, and that was something that that was coming from Marrakesh. You know, that's that's oh, what really? they say. Yeah, that's what they say <laughs> in that one. Like, yeah. Oh wow. Because that that started over there and then it spread, you know, because we never do it on the upside of the hands, you know, we always do it on the inside of the hands. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. 
uh, Marrakesh is always like everything get mixed up there. <laughs> no, all styles get into one mix and new new stuff comes from there. You know, every new stuff like in things artisan, it comes from Marrakesh. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, just I mean, I'm just thinking about like the times that I would go there and and the Marrakeshi vendors would always have the most interesting stuff. Yeah. And the new stuff and and Fez is kind of like the seat of tradition and things kind of stay the same there and you know it's like it's almost like a museum in a way. Yeah, but also like, you know, it has always been a city of crossroads and you know everything comes together at Marrakesh. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. So yeah. that's what happened with Hannah as well. You know, when the flowers came into the designs, it came from Marrakesh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it spread, uh, you know, to the rest of Morocco. That's funny. Because <laughs> the first time when, when I had Hannah done with the syringe, yeah. You know, because nowadays you can get Hannah at every corner in Morocco, you know, everywhere on the street you can get Hannah. But it you, it, it wasn't like that in the past, not at all. You yeah, no yeah. Hannah on the streets. Never. Yeah, when when I lived there, there was no henna on the streets. You yeah. only got it at home, and it was yeah. always somebody in your family who knew someone. Yeah. And I think maybe around the year 2000, maybe a little bit before that, that's when it started to change. Yeah, that's really what started to change. And that's yeah. when also like the Khaliji designs, you know? Yep, they, yep. They, and that they, also started in Marrakesh. The, yeah, that's how the artists in the street. No doubt about it. Yeah, the artist in Jamal Fana started in Marrakesh and the Khaliji design started in Marrakesh. Yeah. 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 That's really interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I never really thought of um of uh Marrakesh as a um as the the source of these fashion statements these uh these trends yeah i think yeah, I so think because right. it, it's really what i what i say you know in the past it was everything from fast oh my god if you had something yeah. from fast it was like you know every bride wanted to have the fast uh on her wedding yeah but that changed that changed you know as that, yeah. that's how fashion is going and now you know the world is so small so now we're all into uh Khaliji and golf you know it, even the makeup yeah. you know all every bride nowadays gets arabic makeup <laughs> yeah, really like golf wow. is uh really into fashion now oh interesting very yeah. interesting. A lot, a lot of girls right now with the marriage in Holland, they they wear the golf dress as well for their for the henna party. Oh, oh wow! It's really funny, yeah. <laughs> wow, it's so interesting to see these changing trends. Yeah, huh. but Moroccan woman has always uh, have always have a big sense of fashion. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, with all the cuffs on and yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. So beautiful. Yeah. And every season there's some new style. Yeah. Every season. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So, um, would you say that every Moroccan who gets married in Holland has henna? I'm, yeah. I mean, I know you can't say for sure, but you would say pretty much. No, I can't say for sure. <laughs> and it, because even if she doesn't want to, she really has to. Even if it's just a little thing, she has to. Yeah. So uh, 
I don't know any Moroccan girl who got married here without henna. <laughs> it's impossible. Yeah. Maybe there there will be like one or two, but not not more. <laughs> oh, that's nice that the tradition carries on. Yeah, the tradition is, is really alive here. Yeah. And who are your clients there? Are they mostly Moroccans now or or what's the mix? No, it's really um I used to work only for Moroccans, but nowadays it's Moroccan, Indian people, Dutch people, a lot of mixed couples as well. Yeah. Uh, I've had one girl, her mother was Chinese and her father was Moroccan and she was married (laughs) to a Turkish guy. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's the way we live in Holland nowadays. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like New York too. Yeah. It's pretty typical. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going to have such beautiful, interesting-looking kids. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so, so would you say your clients are kind of um, like a, a pretty even mix of all those different ones, or do you do you think that Moroccans are still the majority of your clients? They're still the majority. Yeah. Yeah. And what kind of gigs do you do? Like, what's the what percentage are brides? What percentage is parties? Um, private appointments, that kind of thing? Well, in the summer, I do a lot of festivals. Um, mm-hmm. After uh, Ramadan, there is a lot of marriages going on. Oh, okay. Um, but I, I really can say in per- percentage, I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> you know, but That's it's fun. like I could have, uh, I could have had every week uh, one or two uh, bridal uh, weddings, but I just cannot handle it anymore. So I'm just taking it more easy now. <laughs> yeah, because it's so stressful and um, it's really like uh, uh, a hard job. You know, you you you're sitting there yeah. so much hours. When it's physically with, difficult. Yeah. When you finish with a bride, you have to do all the other girls, and you know, yeah. it was just too too heavy for me. So. I don't do so much brides anymore, like once a month or sometimes two a month. And that's, that's far enough for me, really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm really tired of it. <laughs> do you ever, do you ever have, um, you know, where you do the bride and then you have another artist who do, who does the guests? No. No, it's always you doing everything. Yeah, I'm doing everything. Yeah, because, <laughs> yeah, you know, hard. sometimes people say like, that would be more easy, but you know, I, the, the guests, they can only have Hannah when the bride is done, you know, so you cannot right. do the, the guests at the oh, same time. Yeah, so, yeah, I see what you're saying. What's the purpose of bringing somebody else, you know, because when I'm done with the bride, I can go on, you know, with the guests, it's no problem. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, you know, that's all the customs again. You cannot do guests before the brides. That's really something... Wow. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Indian weddings, I don't think they care as much. No, you they can don't do care it while the, yeah, yeah, you can do a lot that. of things with them. And it, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they are not. You, yeah, because they have their rituals apart from from doing the henna. It's maybe after yes, that exactly. they start all the rituals that they do. Oh my God, it's even more than we have. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> but at the moment when you, you put on the henna, it's not a big deal, you know, when she's sitting on a table or whatever, you know, but yeah. it, it's really different. Yeah, definitely. 
because everybody has to be the witness when she get the henna. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Because that's the whole thing, you know, that you're a witness. That she get oh, okay, the- so you can't just be like in a room alone with her where it's quiet and just do her no, henna? No, no. <laughs> Some you know nowadays when when um, I find the bride over to my place and and I explain you know that it's a bit hard for me la la la, and then some girls say like yeah I want to have the henna done before the party, mm-hmm. so there are it, it is changing a little bit now they are like yeah I yeah. really want it to be beautiful and I can understand you want to do it in a quiet place so yeah it, it's changing yeah. a bit now. But I think but, that's also a tradition for South Asians to do it during the party. And it's only kind of now when people are busy and, you know, they have tight schedules, then they want to do it beforehand just to make it yeah. easier. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what the difference is also, Kenzie, where you have a, a Moroccan party in Morocco, a henna party in Morocco, you mm-hmm. know, the houses are big. If your house is mm-hmm. not big, you put on a tent on the street and then you have right. a lot of space. But here in Holland, right. the houses are so small. You know, sometimes yes. I'm just in a living room with like 80 people and that's not like an exception. <laughs> yeah. Because it's craziness. You know, when we have a party, there are coming They're so drumming many people and screaming. And drumming. And... Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's a really big difference from, you know, in Morocco, the houses are really much bigger than here. Yeah, yeah. So you have more space. Yeah. And of course, it's yeah. still chaotic because that's just the way we are. We are just chaotic people. So yeah. <laughs> it will always be like And there's just like so that. much. There's so much going on. You have singing yeah. singers coming yeah. in, and everyone has a drum, and yeah. children are running around. Yeah. <laughs> that's fun, though. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> so when you started learning henna and teaching yourself henna how long before you actually started charging people money for it oh a long time and it was really (laughs) a long time and because you know um my father always thought like yeah just get a study you know just be you know become like a doctor or a lawyer or (laughs) things like that it's really a thing to make money and my mother was like yeah just do whatever makes you happy but you know she was like, you cannot live from art. They both never thought that you could live from uh, henna, especially henna mm-hmm. art. Yeah. So uh, I started my business like mm, maybe 10 years ago. My son is 10. It was like when he was born. Yeah. Soon after that, I started my business. So it took me a long time, really. Yeah. Wow. And it, it it was, you know, in that time there was a woman who organizes belly dance parties and she was the first to ask me, you want to sit here and make designs for the for the woman uh, uh-huh. here? I was like, okay, let's try it. And that's really how it started. Huh. Yeah, on a belly dance party. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that was really, that was a new experience for me as well. I never knew that it existed. Belly dance. Yeah. Holland. Yeah. I it was a new world for me, really. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I can I can totally understand. Yeah, but all yeah, the I don't think I knew it. about it either. Yeah. <laughs> but the woman loved it and I was like, okay. So if so many people love my henna work, maybe I can I can try something and that's really how it started. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And and then 
when you do henna designs now, like when you do Moroccan designs, do you go back to the traditional designs or do you kind of make them your own and, and, and what inspires you when you do those designs? Mm. Now I love to do just the traditional designs because that's really, you know, something that just flows out of my serums and it's really, that's the most comfortable style for me. Mm-hmm. It feels so natural, but, um, but I love to mix it as well. You know, some Fessy with some Khaliji and I love to do some uh, fusion. Because that started, um, I once had a bride uh, who really wants some, she's Amazigh herself. and But she said like, yeah, I like the Khaliji as well. So that's really yeah. when I started to do the fusion. I said, okay, I just do a band like Fessy and then some flowers coming out of it. And oh, then I, okay. Oh, yeah, it would be nice to do some fusion. Yeah, fusion stuff. It's good. Yeah, yeah. And what, so are you inspired by the Gulf or what What do you, what do you like to mix with Moroccan? Yeah, Khaliji. That's what I yeah. like to mix with Moroccan. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually on your Facebook page now just looking at your designs and I'm kind of amazed that you can do all of this with a syringe. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah so any of, any of you listeners out there, you have to go to her Facebook page because there are pictures of you henning with the syringe and it's um it's really interesting. She's holding the syringe straight up and down, so um and she's holding yeah, it, it in her fist with her thumb at, on the top of the plunger. Yeah. Yeah, it's really like, you know, it's more like playing tennis than drawing, actually, because it's all coming from the wrist. The movement's yeah. coming from the wrist, you know. It's really different. I think a cone is much more like drawing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like playing tennis. Maybe I should try to play well. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, though, because it looks like you're stabbing the person. Yeah, really. Especially when I'm doing like a, a woman who's pregnant. It's really um, a scary picture when you see me with a sandwich on her belly like that, you know. Definitely. And then sometimes you're looking very seriously at your work. Yeah. So you look like you're angrily stabbing um, yeah. their arm or something. Really, I look always angry when I'm doing henna <laughs> because I'm focused and concentrated. I have the angry yeah. face. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this, there's some really cool designs on your site. I see what you're saying about combining the Khaliji with a band, and um, yeah, it's really cool. But I have more pictures in my um, Flickr account. Oh, okay, I'll have to look there later. I don't want to, because I'm starting to get a little distracted just looking at these pictures <laughs> instead of just talking to you. So I could just, I could look at henna pictures online for hours on end and then just forget what day it is. So I have to yeah, be careful. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I'm a good. drug. So um, when you're looking at pictures online, what do you, what, what's been attracting you lately? What things are kind of making you want to go out and henna them? Um, or uh, any artists that you like especially um, I must say just to get inspired I don't look so much at uh, at other people's henna uh, art but it's like uh, everything that's coming from Sahara is really like uh, a big inspire, uh, inspiration for me but that's almost like 
I don't know for years that 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 can give me inspiration. So what what kind of designs from the Sahara are you talking about? Like the Mauritanian kind of things? Yeah, Mauritanian things, and you know, Torek, um, uh, mm. uh jewelry. Yeah, yeah, and uh, embroidery and everything like that, and the, especially the work in the leather. I love it so much. Oh yeah, there's so much cool stuff in there too. Yeah. That's true. But I think when you um, when you look at it uh, closely, it's really the original of uh, the Moroccan henna art as well. I think so. Yeah, so, yeah. Because when you look at old pictures from Moroccan henna. You know, it's not like how it is nowadays because... Yeah, they didn't have the syringe back then. They did. Yeah, that's why. The syringe really changed it into fessy, you know, with all the little yeah. dot, dots, um, like the fish bone, but with the dot, dot, dot... How do I say it? Dots or not? Yeah, dots, yeah. Dots, okay. Or blobs or, I don't know, dots yeah. or blobs. But yeah, the <laughs> dot and then the line and then the dot, right? Yeah, but that's really, like, mm. that's really from coming from the syringe. And before it was just... You know, geometric designs, yeah. like Amazig designs, really Amazig. Um, uh, I think Amazig culture is really underestimated a lot. What was underestimated? Amazig culture. Yeah, the yeah, culture definitely. And art. Because I think yeah. the Fessy, Fessy designs is really, um, you know, Berber. Yeah, those very geometric designs. things come, yeah. come out of that culture. Definitely. Yeah. So that's but that seems to be coming back. There hmm? seems to be a lot more. There seems to be a lot more respect for that for Amazigh art now, yeah. and Amazigh culture. Although yeah. so much is lost, that it's. I hope it's not too late. No, I don't think it's too late. I think it's. You know, uh, nowadays people are getting more uh, conscious about everything. So the development nowadays is good. I yeah. mean, they're fighting Tifanov again in Morocco, so... I know. I know, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, a lot has changed under the new king. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I think, like, yeah, that's really what my inspiration comes from, you know, to, to go look at the the roots of everything. Yeah. And that's what, yeah, I, I think that's really interesting. You know, sometimes I can just... Um, for for hours, look at the buildings, for example, you know, the old um, buildings that are made from uh, mud, you know, and they have the yeah. old um, designs mm-hmm. in there as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, yeah, that's the origin of Moroccan henna art, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then the but old pottery, the, the old pottery, pottery that the women used to make with the painting on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a lot of pottery here from the Rif. And it's also uh-huh. really the geometric designs and everything is really beautiful. Ah, that's so cool. So yeah. Really, insp- that gives me inspiration. And then when I look at henna artists, yeah, uh, who are the ones that uh, inspire me? Yeah, definitely. And do you still get henna when you go back to Morocco? Yes, I do. But last year I didn't have to, had the time to get oh, it. No. Yeah, because I was always, you know, I'm always busy, you know, visiting family, buying things mm-hmm. for my shop to sell here, and yeah, I just didn't have the time. So that was really, uh, I wasn't happy because it was my Aww. first time that I got back without Hannah. 
Oh my gosh, that's first. terrible. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Do I you still learn from watching from watching the Nakashas there? No, I don't. From there, mm, I don't know. You, you don't feel like that that you learn from them anymore? No. <laughs> Why is that? No, because the then you really have to find somebody who's really, really good. Then I can yeah. say, like, oh, yeah, that's something new to me. But it, it didn't happen to me last years, you know? Yeah. Huh. It's more that I can learn from other designers, like American henna artists, for example, or Indian henna artists, that I can say, yeah. oh, that's something really, you know, fascinating how they do that. Or Yeah. Oh, that's I a shame. Think. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if it's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> well, just no, the fact you know, that the idea that that the Moroccan henna artists aren't really impressing you anymore, that's that's sad to me. Yeah. Maybe it's sad when I think about it. <laughs> but I, <laughs> no, but I, I think it's just like you really have to, it's, to find a real good one. You really have to search a lot. Yeah. Yeah, That's and now true. because when when you're working yourself as a henna artist, you're really like, you know, somebody has to do really a good job. You don't want to yeah. get something, you know, when you ask for Nakasha and they bring someone who's sitting on Gemma Fana. Oh, I'm not going to be happy, you know. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you're really, like, I want to see your website. I want to see your portfolio. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not getting henna from you until I see your work. <laughs> Yeah, so it's really, yeah. you are just um, a bit spoiled now. <laughs> yeah, that is <laughs> true, spoiled, that is true, yeah. yeah. And I know when I went there, you know, my mother-in-law would always find someone for me, and they were always amazing, but, you know, I don't know if those people are still around anymore. Yeah. Maybe they left the country, I don't know. No, but it's just like, you know, the older generation, it's, yeah... Because, uh, for example, the woman who used to do the henna with the stick, they are not there anymore. Yeah. They are not there anymore. Oh. And now yeah. there's a lot of Nakasha. They only do the really bad Moroccan Khaliji. Yeah. Uh, like it. Yeah. I don't like it. So it's really hard to find somebody who who does yeah. a job that good. When I look online for Moroccan wedding photos and look at the henna the stuff that they do now like you said it's really bad khaliji it's kind of yeah. like quickly covering the hand with a bunch of those big leaves with kind of a little bit of shading and they just yeah. kind of do it randomly all over the hand and it's so yeah. <laughs> so yeah. disappointing to see that instead of the real stuff yeah i think so it's really disappointing yeah, Oof. but you know, uh, when I was like uh, in puberty, all my Moroccan friends didn't like henna. They were like, "Oh, oh really? are you always with the henna? Oh no, we don't like the smell, and oh, it's old-fashioned, la 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 la." So uh, nowadays, yeah. you know, there are a lot of girls in Morocco who don't like it. My niece, for example, oh, they hate henna. <laughs> they huh. go as far to my again with her. And you know, they know me. I like Hannah and I like Gnawa. And that's really something strange <laughs> for a Moroccan. I don't know, but I love it. <laughs> oh, my God. You're my soul sister. I love Gnawa, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's something that, that uh, you know, when I was a child, you know, uh, when uh, when the weddings are going on in the streets, 
mm-hmm. and there's Gnawa coming. You can hear them from from a distance, you know. The yeah. Big, and when yeah. I hear it, you know, my heart be- started bouncing and I was wondering, oh my God, Gnawa's coming. Oh, but all so my nice. friends, they were like, oh my God, she's really crazy. Nobody will run after them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just loved it. I don't know. Maybe it's because yeah. I'm half Dutch. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But Gnawa just is so like organic and earthy. And uh, I don't know. It just gets me too. I love it. Yeah, but that's spiritual as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And yet it's also very... Very down to earth, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's it's just, it kind of sums up Morocco. Both Henna and Ganao are very similar, very earthy, very mundane, and yet very deep and, I don't know, emotional. Yeah, really. So are there any other henna artists in any Moroccan henna artists doing fessy work in Holland? Uh, I know there is uh, one girl, but I never met her. But I've seen some pictures that she's doing fessy uh, as well. But I think not so. I don't think that she's into it so much as I am. Yeah. Is um, that Wafa? Uh, is there something no, in Holland Wefe, named Wafa? No, Wafa, I know Wafa, but she, she, she's not um, an Akasha for a long time. Maybe now it's like one year or two years. Oh, okay. But, but she has amazing skills. She works with a, yeah. with a bottle. She doesn't work with a syringe. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. But, but she's really good at um, uh, adapting a style and then create it again. Yeah. Because I've seen she has made a, a henna cake with a fancy design, and it was just amazing. Yeah, 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 I saw that. That was really cool. But I never met her, but I spoke to her on the phone a lot, because in the beginning when she was starting, you know, she has really a lot of questions and asking me how to do yeah. this and how to do that. So, <laughs> Oh, that's nice. She, and where is she located? Uh, in the south of Holland, in Limburg. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. She's, huh. she's, a, she's a young girl. I can't believe she just started a year ago. That's incredible. Her or maybe two really years. Nice. Yeah. She's, but still. She, yeah, <laughs> still amazing. two years. It's amazing. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's great. Wow. You're a You have a lot of skills. So that's about coming in again. Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but she's uh, she's a nice girl. She always calls me her Hannah mother. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. That is very sweet. Yeah, but it, but so it's now nice you have because... a son and a daughter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know, in the beginning when I I just uh, started my Hannah business, there were not other girls who were doing it. Uh, you know, on the internet oh. and everything in Holland. Yeah. yeah. So the last five years, there were a lot of girls you know coming and going coming and going but there are also uh people who just you know grab take your text and take your pictures and put it on their own side and just you know messing yep. around with your stuff and it's really annoying but there are also <laughs> girls you know like Wefa, for example and other girls that really they call me and they say la fatima we love your work and uh, we are so inspired to become henna artists of our own, la la. And that's what I really love because then you get really good um, um, 
How do I say it? You know, then then there is respect among Hannah artists. And yeah. There is something that is not has always been like this in Holland. It's really hard in the beginning. A lot of jealousy and envy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and competition. And competition. Yeah. yeah. But now it's getting more. Uh, it's a good community. Like you, you work together instead of fighting. Yeah, that's much better. But you know, we are not as far as you are in America, for example. Not at How all. So? How not so? Because, no, because I think. You know, you know all everybody, and you know here we are more like everybody on their own. Oh, so we're like maybe more organized here. You mean we're organized? Yeah, much mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. That's something that will follow, I think. <laughs> yeah, because in yeah, the beginning well. I was just alone. Maybe there was like one or two other women. Of course, there were, but not like you know in the internet and facebook and everything now you can know everybody around the world it's really crazy i mean yeah, to you true. while you are just yeah, I know. miles away <laughs> i know <laughs> and you know when we were working on the book we were trying to find henna artists you know in the west that we could talk to and it was so hard to find people and, you know, I mostly found artists in Morocco in my travels, but um, we were trying to find people here in New York or somewhere in the States. And um, I think I, I've met two henna artists in New York from Morocco. And one of them kind of did that fast khaliji that I don't care for much. Mm-hmm. And um, and then there was another woman also named Fatima. And I kind of lost touch with her. But she was she actually was um, from Fez and did everything in the Fessy style. So okay. I have to try and find her again because she just does uh, um, amazing stuff. Yeah. But it's hard. There aren't many really here. Special. It's a specialty. Yeah. yeah. But I remember, you know, um, what's her name again? Cree. Cree came mm. to me one day. Uh, she came to Holland and she found me on oh. Facebook. And she was like, yeah, uh, can I come around? La, la. I was like, okay, oh my God, Cree is coming. And I was so nervous <laughs> and everything. <laughs> because for me, I had always been alone with my henna art. And it was only in recent years that I discovered a yeah. lot of things going on on the internet. So for me, it was really like, oh my God, Cree is coming. <laughs> I know. It's like a movie star or something. Yeah. And she yeah. was... You know, we spent only a few hours together, and she said to me, Fatma, we must find you some henna friends. You, yeah. you don't have henna <laughs> friends. That's what she said to me, and I'll never forget it. And then later, you know, in Facebook, you can meet everybody, and yeah. And she was right. I really needed some henna friends. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise you just feel like you're on the moon or something. Yeah. You know what the rest of the world is doing with henna. Yeah. So really, she was right when she told me that. Yeah, I know. I was so glad to find you and, and Wafa online. And, you know, I'm starting to see more and more henna artists from Morocco. It's so it's so nice. I feel like the community, the Moroccan henna community is kind of growing yeah, a little bit here and there. Definitely in Europe is really growing. You know, there are a lot of artists yeah. in France as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's really growing. But it's yeah. just like um, there's a lot of. Uh, I, I think I still have to do a lot of teaching in a way because of the, the styles yeah. and the designs because the most girls are just doing the Indian designs, which is beautiful as well. But I think... Yeah, Morocco- yeah but I feel like if, if 
the Indians win out, then Moroccan designs are just going to die out and nobody will remember yeah. them. Yeah. And that's well, not that good. Would be a shame. That would be so, yeah, that would be so painful. Yes. We need a little Moroccan henna army. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a good plan. But you know yeah. what, Kenzie? Um, there is something that I have achieved here in the Netherlands, which is maybe interesting to tell you. Yeah. Um, uh, because two, 2013 uh, was called the year of, um, how do I say it in English? It was the year of heritage and uh-huh. especially non-material heritage. So like craftsmanship. In Holland? Artisan, yeah, in Holland. Oh, okay. This whole year, 2013, was committed to, you know. Uh, oh, cool. Um, it is really difficult for me to explain so i have to take a bit of time um <laughs> that's fine it started with the uh, unesco you know the organization mm-hmm. for heritage uh, worldwide mm-hmm. but this was yep. especially for holland so they make a a list with all crafts that exist here in the netherlands so it could be you know like people who make the wooden shoes you know mm-hmm. stuff like yeah. that or yeah. traditional paintings and everything um but I um, uh, put in my henna because I wanted to be henna on that list as well. And Very they, cool. um, they acknowledged my, um, how do I say it? Your contribution? My contribution, yes. Yeah. So henna is on the list as well. as part. So of, it's an official part of the Dutch culture now. Yes. So I was really <laughs> proud because, you know, That's we, awesome. We, there are so many Moroccans here and so many Moroccans yeah. marry here and put henna on. And at the same time, there are a lot of Dutch people who let henna uh, done at festivals and parties. So it's really getting away in uh, yeah. Dutch culture, you know? Yeah, so definitely. So I was really glad that they uh, acknowledged uh, henna as a, um, you know, as a craft and as an artisan. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was really proud of it. So that's on the list. (laughs) That's so perfect. And it's, you know, that's also very Dutch to, to acknowledge that immigrant culture is, is a part of Dutch culture. And I think that's something that we feel a lot here in New York too, is that our, our culture here and probably in a lot of places in the United States that Mm -hmm we're a nation of immigrants and our culture is made up of all of these things. But yeah, that's amazing. Henna is officially Dutch culture. Yeah. Officially now. That's a huge success. Yeah. It was huge success. And at the same time, it's really like, um, you know, recognition for the, for, for the hard work that, yeah, Yeah, me personally, my hard work here and, And because I was always like, you know, henna is not just a design. This is the whole story behind henna. I've always been busy with, yeah. you know, talking the whole story, you know. Yeah, and bringing so, that information to the to the masses yeah. there. Yeah. And now that's yeah. great. So I'm really proud of it. <laughs> that's awesome. You're a cultural ambassador. <laughs> yeah, from henna. Yeah, I'm working henna. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah, but that's good because in that way you can develop like a good plan for for the future you know yeah because henna in history has you know when it, it, it 
it came to Morocco, it came to India, and it has developed in its own way. But now, right here, I'm just making a little bit of history because Hannah will have yeah. its future here. So it's really interesting. Yeah. And then, really you know, then from this point forward, there's this thing called Dutch henna and Dutch yeah. henna is made up of Moroccans and Indians and, yeah. you know, Gulf people and whatever. It all because becomes a all new living, thing. Yeah. And we're all living together here, you know, so that's what makes it really interesting. Yeah. The whole world in, uh, in one place. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. So... Yeah maybe like 50 years from now henna artists will be like oh yeah i just do dutch style henna mostly yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know oh do you know so-and-so yeah she's really good in that dutch style <laughs> yeah. yeah but it's yeah it's funny yeah but you know there we have so many moroccan people here yeah yeah I have to get back there. I can't even imagine that because I think they came to Holland after I left. Yeah. And because I was there in 72. So it seems like, you know, your dad arrived around that time. Yeah. Yeah, it's really around yeah. that time. And then later the woman came and the children and, you know, so yeah. we are still growing. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. Wow. Well, if I if I do make it back to Holland, I will definitely look you up. I think we need to Yeah, sure. to hang out in person. <laughs> and then <laughs> Shukran. <laughs> and um and then also once this podcast comes out, I really think we should do a Google Hangout and have you on video showing and talking about the syringe technique. I think that'd be really cool for people to see. Yeah, that would be nice. Because yeah. you know what, Kenzie, I've, I've made a lot of videos, but I'm not satisfied. So I, I oh, no. I'm for the internet. Yeah, I'm, I'm terrible. You know, I have so much pictures. For example, they're still in my computer, but I'm like, no, it's not. Per uh. Um. It really it's not has good enough. Perfect. It's not good enough. No, <laughs> and then the videos that I make, I'm like, oh no, it's not good enough. I'm not putting them out there. But oh boy, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so when I come to visit you, I'll have to bring a video camera and uh, and document everything. <laughs> uh, we shoot. <laughs> yeah. But you know, uh... when when it's like this, when we're talking like this, you, you cannot go back and change it. So I'm okay with it. I'm just fine. You know, I know. Yeah, it is what it is. But I accept it. <laughs> <laughs> What's terrible? My English. No, it's not at all. Oh, please. Yes, it is. No. no, it's not. I disagree. <laughs> I'm an English speaker and you sound great. I've understood everything you've said. So, okay. Humble. Yeah, I think people are going to love it. I am sure that we have many other topics to cover, uh, but I think that maybe we should end it now and then maybe come back another time, definitely for the video chat to show the syringe. And then maybe we can do like a question and answer thing with um, people writing in their questions for the Google Hangout like we did with Nick and Noam. Yeah, but I really love it. It was so, when I was watching, I was like, oh, I really would, would have... Love to join your conversation yeah, because it's so interesting. Yeah. Yo, really maybe we can get all four of us and maybe bring a few other people in too. It'd be, uh, it could be a big uh, Moroccan henna party. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> Except there might be men there. <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> You're so modern. <laughs> yeah, I am. 
you so much for talking to me. Um, we've been uh, we've been trying to have this conversation for a long time, and I'm so excited that it finally happened. Yeah, well, thank you a lot. I'm really so. Um, how do I say it? Um, I'm really grateful that you choose me to talk to. Really. Oh, please! <laughs> you you invented Dutch henna. Who else would I talk to? <laughs> yeah no but it was like you know when uh the, the day that Cree came to me and, it, and she told me to find me myself some henna friends i've always been look um looking up to you know american artists <laughs> and i never and we've been looking up to you yeah i cannot imagine that really <laughs> <laughs> well we all have respect for each other so that's good yeah that's good that's good and i think you yeah. did a great job you know with the book on moroccan henna to document it just like that and thank you yeah it's really important yeah, thanks. and at the same yeah. time i was like why we moroccans didn't do that before <laughs> you know why we always have to well, actually, there is one little book that I found in Morocco where a woman um, wrote about Moroccan henna, but that was, um, I don't know, from the 80s or something. So there isn't, hasn't been anything since then. No. But I think Moroccans just didn't, maybe didn't understand the value of henna. Because mm. because it was everywhere, they didn't really think it was anything special. And then, you know, people from the West said, no, it's special. And then Moroccans are like, oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> Yeah, but it's all. But it's also because now it's changing a lot. The time now is really yeah. changing fast. So that's why it yep. was really important to document the Moroccan fancy style and, you know, capture it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's changing rapidly. Yeah, but and it, now I'm glad to meet new artists who are doing fancy art. So that's um, yeah. that's uh, it's another way to capture it is to keep yeah, doing we, it. Yeah, sure, you're right. Okay. Very nice. Very <laughs> nice. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. I'm glad it happened. And um, we'll talk soon and have our Google Hangout as well. Yeah, great. Well, it's three o'clock in the night now for me. So Ooh, oh, my God. I, no, it's okay. I'm really fine with it. And I will have a really nice sleep now. So Aww, I, I hope you do. And you'll have nice, yeah, um, nice interesting dreams. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye. Slama Habiba. Slama. Ciao. Slama. Bye. I don't know if you could tell from all of my giggling and excited questions. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that interview with Fatima. After the interview ended, she was saying it was three in the morning for her and it was pretty late for me too. And both of us emailed each other independently and said, oh, I couldn't sleep. I was so excited after talking to you. And uh, I, I hope that you guys are listening to this during the day so that you can actually get to sleep after the interview. Thanks, Fatima, for a really awesome conversation. It was such a blast and I can't wait to talk to you again. That is the end of episode 14. I want to thank Nash Kurum for her photo, Shlomi Cohen for the music, and all of you for listening and for commenting and giving me a lot of great suggestions for future episodes, future guests, and some questions you'd like me to ask. See you on the Facebook page or on the blog at caughtredhandedpodcast.com. See you next episode. Bye.
oh my god, that smell, is it because of the fish or is it the henna? 